you know, I think of some of the greats that we have in the art world or in the math world or in the science world. And I would be willing to bet they never went to a science camp when they were a kindergartner. You know what I mean? Most of those people were experimenting on their own. Well, and and I would say regardless of whether or not they did, the possibility exists that there are greats who came out of art camp and there are greats who didn't have any formal training. And as long as those two possibilities exist, why would we tie ourselves down to some idea of how we think it has to be done in order for our child to experience success? Yeah. And why would we as parents feel like we need to make ourselves responsible yeah. for our child being successful at something? That's hard, though. It really is. It's hard not to feel responsible for your child being successful. Whether or not your child is successful is not your responsibility. Right. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing great. I am super duper excited. You know why? Why? Oh, today is the Star Wars release. It is. Now, a lot of people went and saw it last night. Oh, it's really? Kinda, it's kind of like that Black Friday thing. Like Black Friday now starts on Wednesday. Yeah. Well, opening day is on Thursday is, night. It's supposed to be Friday. I think it's but they get, always but they been have, Thursday night, though, like the midnight showing. Yeah, but they they keep pushing it back oh, earlier. I think people okay. were going at like seven, seven or eight o'clock mm-hmm. or whatever. Hmm. That's dumb. I'm going. I'm going opening night, which is today. See Star Wars, and I'm very excited about it. And you're taking our nine year old. Yes. Now, when this when this episode goes out, I will have already seen it, mm-hmm. and it will be. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening live, do not say anything. I forgot to tell my son because I I thought that there might be a possibility that he went to school today and maybe saw somebody who had seen the movie. A slight, slight possibility. Yeah. You never know. I was, I actually had a plan to stop him when he came home and say, now listen to me. If anybody said anything to you, I don't want to hear it. So I've been... I've been trying desperately to avoid any spoilers or anything, even to the extent of getting upset and having to put my foot down with some of the people in the chat room. (laughs) I didn't realize. Wow. Okay. So anyways, I'm excited. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a neat moment for Jaden and I to share together. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. And I get to be home with the five older or the five younger ones. Yeah. So, Woo-hoo! I mean, we're bo- we it's both get fun. to have. I know. I'm super excited too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were just we, in the pre-show, we were talking about this humor, this dry humor that we have. We use a lot on the Sean West podcast too, but sometimes with our parenting stuff, <laughs> we get a little bit dark and, uh, and that's okay. Sometimes you just have to, sometimes you have to go there. You have to admit to yourself, I have these dark thoughts and these dark feelings and there's nothing wrong with me. You know, there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. It's, I I think, I think more people, if they, if they were brave enough, would probably admit that they have some of those things too. Yeah. 
you know, act on all right. of them. Right. All of them. <laughs> yeah. So I like my humor like I like my chocolate. Mm-hmm. Dark. <laughs> all right. All right. So today's topic is managing your child's interests without overloading your schedule. And we, we've talked before in a previous episode about being supportive of your child's interests. And I wanted to go a little bit more into the logistical side of it, um, the approach that we take with managing our children's interests and, um, and not only you know, how we support them in that, but, but how we do so without packing our lives full of stuff mm-hmm. and just feeling overwhelmed all the time. So as we talk about this today, the first thing that I wanted to pull out is this idea of letting our children be the driver of their own interests. And I want to unpack what I mean by that. As parents, as adults, we have a lot of experiences and we have our own definitions of certain things. And so one of one of the examples that I think of is Jaden, uh, our oldest, being interested in being a filmmaker. So I, I immediately have my own ideas and my own version of what it looks like to be a filmmaker. I've got my own definition of it. And if I'm not careful, I can very easily assert my version of that instead of allowing him to drive his version of what that means. His definition of being a filmmaker might be completely different from my own. And it's likely that his definition is more idealistic and mine is much more specific because of the experience that I have. Mm-hmm. But if I try to put my specific version onto him, that's going to overwhelm him. It's going to probably lead to way more activity than we should have at this stage in his level of interest. So he may seem very interested in it, but he's just exploring it. And and that's the thing. Our our children may seem interested in something, but we need to give them room to explore it. If it's something they really are serious about wanting to do, that desire is going to drive their level of activity. We don't have to do that for them. And that's just one of the ways that we as parents tend to overload ourselves is we assume too much or we assert our own definition. And so we add all of these extra activities that really we don't need to add. We need to let our children be, be in charge of that process for themselves. Now I'm thinking back to when Jaden first said he was interested and do you, do you remember what we did? Yeah. Like for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We got him a storyboard and, um, gave him like a little filming. It was just an old iPhone as like a filming camera. We kind of went all out. Yeah. He and never storyboarded. I'm actually using the whiteboard that we gave him right now for my brainstorming stuff. <laughs> yeah. I I would say that we went a little bit overboard. Now, fortunately, we didn't go as far as to enroll him in right. filmmaking, you know, all of that stuff. But we did look at a school that was a charter school um, that had a film program in it. You're right. We did. I and seriously we- considered it. We checked out a bunch of books from the library mm-hmm. and said here, and it was, 
it was like a stack of like really thick books. Yeah, I actually read them all, but he didn't read any. Yeah. So it's just, it's really funny how we can have this tendency to do that as parents. So right now, the thing that Jaden's really doing, he says he's interested in filmmaking, but what he's really, his activity is right now is more like making comic books, Mm -hmm. which is a form of storyboarding if you think about it. So it's an important part of the process if one day he decides he wants to to do filmmaking seriously. Mm -hmm. But for me to come in as a parent and say, well, you're not filmmaking, you're you're making comics. Yeah. I got to let him define what that looks like and let him drive that pursuit. Yep. I do feel like we're, um, I guess, a little bit different than maybe not most parents, but some other parents. Because, you know, kids, our kids' age are generally involved in a lot of sports things like soccer and the peewee football stuff and all of that. And we've never really gravitated toward any of that. Well, and, and I do want to address that because although we don't involve ourselves in those kinds of activities, I think as creative and artistic people, mm-hmm. we could be tempted by something similar in the creative and artistic world. Oh yeah, definitely. Know, so. Yeah. No, I was just saying because with organized sports, like every neighbor we have, is gone every Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, you know, because they have sporting event practices or games or whatever. And it seems like that's just a very different, it's a different world because it, it kind of consumes, you know? So I don't feel like we can speak from experience about that because we've, we've sort of intentionally stayed away from it. Well, okay. But, but I'll come back to saying that if we wanted to, we could be as involved in the creative realm i would say i would say that the the sports and athletics related activities are probably more prominent in our culture but that doesn't mean that there's any less of a possibility that we could become that involved you don't think they demand more time i feel like they demand more time because they're organized i think they demand more i I think that artistic activities are just as capable of demanding as much time. Okay. I'm I'm just saying that they don't tend to. Yeah. But they're just as capable. So it has to it really does have to start from a place of values. And so for us, we had on our side the fact that we're not a part of that athletic culture with which really drives that level act of, of activity. Mm-hmm. So there's not as much of a driver of that level of activity in the creative realm. Yeah. But we also had this value that we were operating from about how we spend our time and how we uh and how we schedule ourselves that naturally caused us to be kind of restrictive in those areas. Right, right. So so though though we can't necessarily speak from experience on the athletic side, the principles still uh, principles and values still apply. Yeah. So here's, and and here's what I think is going on with that. Have you, you've heard of FOMO, right? Uh, no. I think, I think I've even said it on this podcast before. FOMO is fear of missing out. Oh, I didn't realize it had an acronym. No, I was, yeah. You've heard of FOMO, FOMO, the rapper. (laughs) I can't say FOMO because my nose is, 
like 50% chance that it's going to come out. Phobo. 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 <laughs> the clown. Fear of missing out. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? So anyways, fear of missing out is something that we experience. Even as adults, there are things that we will commit ourselves to or say yes to because we we don't want to miss out on the possible reward that could come from being involved in that activity. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the athletic culture, and, and really in any area of interest your child might take on, there's the potential for that fear of missing out for your child to come into play. Mm-hmm. They don't true. want their children to miss out on opportunities to excel at something because they're not participating. So they, they think, you know, the earlier I get them mm-hmm. involved. Um, I, I told this story in the chat earlier when I was in high school. I think I was a junior. I just had this idea one day that I wanted to try out for the baseball team. Like, you know, oh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. And so I walked up to the coach during a practice and I asked him what, you know, what would I need to do to try out for the team? And he kind of laughed at me and was dismissive and said, you know, most of these kids have been playing together since little league. They've been training since, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, well, and, and I guess before that he asked me if I had played baseball before and I said, you mean like on a team or just in my neighborhood? Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of this understood idea that if you wanted to be involved, he, I mean, he said I could try out, but it was like, yeah, but good luck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there was this kind of idea that if you wanted to be involved, you had to get an early start. But it's crazy because when we were kids, it was really only Little League and baseball. I mean, I remember my parents signing me up for the Little League and I cried every single practice because it wasn't what I wanted to do. But that was really like the only thing that they had for kids. Well, now that's, it's that, like. That's what, yeah. Now, now there are clubs it's everything. and everything. I mean, there's a science camp. And, you know, science after school activities and it's, it's crazy the amount of things that you can choose from. No, I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with any one of those things. No, Um, no. I'm just saying the amount of choices. But there, yeah, there are, you can, you can get completely carried away with signing, especially if you don't have six kids because then, you know, you have more time to play with. So that's, I mean, when, when we're talking about the fear of missing out, the the belief is I've got to get my child involved early and I've got to get them involved in many things mm-hmm. because I don't know which one they're going to be interested in and I don't want them to miss out on the chance of excelling at the the thing that they're going to choose in the future. Mm-hmm. So I want to speak to that fear, um, first of all. Now, depending on where you live, it might be more true that a child who doesn't get involved early doesn't have as much of a chance. But I would say in every case, the level of commitment and practice and hard work that you put that, that your child puts into the thing they're interested in is more, it creates more of a determination for whether or not they're going to be, you know, on, on the, what, what is it? I with, with sports ball, is it the, a, a team. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, but, but they, 
that's more of a, uh, a determining factor to me than how early they got involved. I mean, honestly, if somebody goes out there and they've only, they've only been playing for a couple of years versus these kids who have been playing together since they were little kids and they go out there and they do an amazing job and they make, you know, and, and they make results, they make things happen. Well, sure. They're probably going to get a chance to start. Sure. They're probably going to get to play more because in the end, the results are really what matters, not mm-hmm. how long they've been doing it and, and, and whether or not they have that kind of, you know, history with the other teammates. And, and that comes into play too, being able to work with other people on a team and have camaraderie. But those aren't things that have to develop from when you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I think about when, uh, so our oldest used to take piano lessons because, you know, we're musical people and we wanted to get him involved and, give him a foundation in music. And he, he just, he never wanted to practice. And so at a certain point, you know, if you're not putting in that practice time, you're not going to get better anyway. So just no. because you're enrolled in, enrolled in something doesn't mean that you're going to be super awesome at it. Right. So, I mean, and, and that's, that's one of the possibilities that you get your kid involved early in something and it doesn't matter how many years that because they're not interested they're in not, it. Yeah. So that's, that's part of it. The other part of it is I'm, I'm reminded of a book that we read. It's called outliers. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is the author's name? Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. That's mm-hmm. right. Malcolm Gladwell talks about this idea of, the 10,000 hours. Mm-hmm. Now I have a, I have a theory and I believe this plays out more often than not. The 10,000 hours typically looks something like 10 years mm-hmm. of, of practice. Full-time work. Right. Basically. But those hours matter. The way that they are spent matters. Yeah. And, and, and my theory is that there's, there are also from, uh, one pursuit to another, there are some things that you learn that you can apply as credit hours toward those 10,000 hours. Hmm. So though it's not in the same, even, even if it's not in the same field, some of the, the level of discipline that you experience working through discomfort and working through things that you don't like to get to the thing that you really do like about whatever it is, you know, all of those things that you learn can be applied. And then within the same field, if, if it's something athletic, you know, maybe you're going from one sport to another, but your athleticism and your ability to, to make quick decisions and, and those kinds of things, those can be transferred over to other pursuits as well. And so, so, so part of the fear is, well, if I don't get them started early in a lot of different things, they're not going to be at the level that these other kids who have been doing this one thing for a long time will be at. And while that may be true, don't discount the fact that whatever they're involved in right now, whatever they're putting, especially if they're interested in it, whatever they're putting their intentional practice toward, they can carry that. They can carry at least some of that over with them to the next thing. So uh, one, one of the things Malcolm Gladwell talks about in Outliers is that the 10,000 hours, if you don't practice them correctly, 
it's not going to uh, bring you any closer to the goal that you have. So for instance, when I was in high school, I played the clarinet and every single day I would practice for two hours to a metronome. When I missed a note, I would go back and do it over again. And I would do um, these varying uh, tempos where, you know, I'd start out slow to make sure I got all the fingerings and then I would go faster. And that is the right way to practice. If you have somebody who started earlier than I did, who practices and it, you know, just continues practicing the same song and makes the same mistakes over and over again, what they're really training themselves to do is to play with mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And so the, so the hours, no matter how early you start, the hours matter. And so when I, when I think about starting my kids early in things, I think about the fact that kids don't even really develop the discipline practice until, you know, the discipline to practice until they're probably 10. Or unless they're forced. Or unless they're forced. And then you have a fight or, all the time. <laughs> or unless they're super duper interested. And that's kind of a unique thing. Yeah. It's, it's rare that you have a child who's that young. Who's who very interested. So yeah. genuinely interested in something that they. It's and, actually interestingly, um, a lot of Asperger's kids. Yes. Are very very focused on one thing, and that's actually a really good thing for them. So I, I hope that that speaks to some of the fears. Now, now these are some of the principle or the uh, sorry practices that I would bring in when it concerns making decisions about what to get your child involved in. So one of one of the things that really makes it difficult for children. And I would say this is still a difficult thing for adults is when we're faced with too many choices, when we're faced with too many options, it stresses us out. Oh yeah. And and especially for children, they, children don't want, you know, cable TV with 900 channels. Yeah. They don't want Netflix with 5,000 titles that they can choose from. My, my kids always have an easier time when I say, okay, do you want to watch this or this? Mm-hmm. And depending on the age, you can add to those choices. So, you know, for our three-year-olds, it's usually just two choices. But sometimes for the nine-year-old, we can give them three and let him choose from those. Yeah. And so when it comes to, when it comes to your child's interests, let's say they, they don't tell you specifically what they're interested in, but you you know that they want to get involved in some kind of activity, ha- have some socialization with friends and that kind of thing. So if you if you choose just two things and say you can do this or this, that's one, it's going to cut down on the number of things you're committing your child to. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but it takes the stress out of that decision for your child, that, but they still get to have a choice. And, and here's another important part. If what they're really interested in doing, if what they really want to do isn't one of those two choices, it's okay to say, you know, so you put those choices in front of them and they say, I don't want to do either of those. All I really want to do is this. And if they can speak with that much clarity about mm-hmm. what they really want mm-hmm. to do, let them do that. Yeah. Agreed. So I'm a big fan of allowing our child to explore one interest at a time seriously. Mm -hmm. Now, as they get older, 
um, we're going to talk about expanding their freedom to be involved in other things. But from the family standpoint, as a value, we, when, when we're just focused on one thing, we're able to have more effective practice at that thing. We can learn sooner whether or not it, it is truly something that we're interested in doing. There's this principle that we talk about on the Sean West podcast that focuses more on business. And it's this, this idea of failing faster. Mm-hmm. So if your child is interested in something and they want to try it out, the best thing you can do for them is to allow them just to focus on that one thing, because if it's going to end up being something that, that they don't love, that they're not, they find out in practice, they're not really interested in, you want them to find that out sooner rather than later mm-hmm. so that you don't drag them through that. But if it is something they're interested in, they can also grow faster in their skill if they're just focused on one thing. And this is something I wish, I wish as an adult, I had a parent who was telling me, Ben, you can only focus on one thing right now. Yeah. When I was in high school, I was in everything. I, I mean, it, it, everything. I was class president. I was student council, all the sports, band, anything that they had, journalism. It was crazy. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying doing many things. And being good at a lot of things, uh, I mean, many, many people, I would say most people are good at doing many different things. Mm-hmm. The value of focusing on one thing at a time is that you get to give that your, your best effort. You get to get the most avid, out of it in the shortest amount of time. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that to be much more efficient than trying to spread that effort out over many things. I mean, you, you even have a better experience with it because you don't have the associated stress of being involved in a lot of things so that when you think about whatever it is that you're doing. So, so for you, when you're involved in student council and band and all of these other things, if you look back on that and you feel stressed out when you think about student council, well, the student council doesn't necessarily deserve your feelings of stress. If you were only doing that one thing, it might've really been a joy for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I remember most from high school is worry. I worried about everything because I was so involved and I never was able to just focus on one thing. Right. So, so it really is a a natural byproduct of this focusing on one thing at a time is that fits into our schedules. It fits into our lives better mm-hmm. instead of, and Corey asked a question earlier. He, uh, about, you know, how does, how does this scale as you have more children? Yeah. So we, we have six and, and it's going to, we're, we're going to get to another aspect of this as we talk about older children too. But even at six children, I feel like we're capable of handling supporting them in in one interest one interest per kid yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say because if you if you think about i mean our oldest is taking art lessons right now and we don't we don't have anybody else in anything yet but uh the second oldest has been asking and the third oldest has been asking to play soccer and so we're just like i mean finding the time for all of that is crazy 
even even with one interest per child. Yeah. So it, it and it's definitely going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. But but I'm willing to commit to being supportive of of one thing at a ch- at a time per child. Mm-hmm. Something that we can do even before our children really start to show interest or before our children are old enough to even be involved in activities. Uh, we need to establish our personal boundaries early on. And a lot of parents don't think about, oh, I need to protect my personal time and I need to protect my work time. They're very sacrificial for their children, which is good. It's good to be sacrificial. But if you sacrifice to the point that you are not able to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. how long do you think that's going to last before you're actually doing more harm than you're doing good? Well, not only more harm to yourself as far as, you know, energy and all of those things, but also the relationship with your child, because I feel like whenever we're not taking care of ourselves, we, we also not, not maybe out loud, but in our subconscious sort of blame the child Yeah, for that. And so, you know, when you're, when you're so incredibly overbooked because of your kids' activities, at a certain point, that's going to come back into maybe a little bit of bitterness. Yeah. Now, when, you're, when your children do start being involved in activities, that's a great time to begin to exercise having those boundaries. And, and I believe that, you know, limiting it to one activity. Now, this isn't, this isn't necessarily not letting them explore different interests, read books and stuff like that. But I'm talking about specifically being committed to some form of weekly or biweekly practice for a specific interest. Like what adds to your schedule as a parent? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so for example, Jaden's one interest right now is art and the lessons that he's taking for art. Right. Even though he's, he says he's interested in filmmaking, what he's doing more right now, what he's focusing on more is his art. Mm-hmm. And, so every Thursday that requires an extra trip somewhere. Yeah. So if he, if he came to us and said, you know what, I really want to be involved in a filmmaking school. I want to take lessons for how to make films. Then we would give him a choice and say, okay, do you want to continue doing art lessons or do you want to start doing f- film lessons? And we know that that mean, that doesn't mean he's going to stop drawing things. You know, he's going to continue to develop his artistic skills on his own. Right. If it's something he's truly interested in, but for the family, for our boundaries, for the sake of us being able to actually sustain and scale our ability to support our children, we have to, we have to limit that. So if we practice that early on, um, as our children get older, and they have more of a capacity to to try various things, maybe even take on two or three interests at a time. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you're still allowing your child to be the driver of that, that activity. And I said driver, that's kind of a funny thing, right? A lot of parents of older children or teenagers, as we call them, young adults, mm-hmm. complain about the the having to be the chauffeur mm-hmm. like i'm just a chauffeur and i have to drive them around so i have 
and I can't speak from practical experience, but I have a theory. This is an approach that we're going to try out with our kids. I will, I will still drive them. I, I, I will take them to one of their activities. I will take them to one of their rehearsals or one of their practices, whatever it is. If they want to be involved in more than that one, that's okay. But now they need to be responsible for how that happens. Mm -hmm. And it could be that it works out and I've got the time to do it and I can do it. But if something comes up or if my schedule, if my responsibilities grow in some way with my job or I'm, I'm going through a season with my own side passion where I'm having to build and spend more time on that, there, there's great benefit to putting your child in a position where they have to think critically and creatively about how they're going to make something happen that they want to happen without the help of their parents. Yeah. Without the help of the, the place that seems the most obvious. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't come alongside your child and help them solve that problem. You know, so, so make suggestions like, well, do you have any friends who are also involved mm -hmm. that you might be able to get a ride with? Do you have the time to maybe work an extra job for a little bit and save up some money so that you can buy a, a car, you know, what is, or, or a bike or whatever? I, I wonder, um, this is just me kind of looking back on my, you know, my super involved time in junior high and high school and thinking how much I would have enjoyed I mean, maybe not at the time, but now looking back, I feel like I would have enjoyed someone being like, you know what, you're probably never going to play professional volleyball. It's not going to get you a scholarship to your school, to, you know, a college of choice. What if you use that? Because, it, I mean, it was like an hour and a half every week yeah. of practice. What if you use that for something else? Like, what if you used it to write books or, you know, something that I was really, really interested in that could have been my job? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, so what is our responsibility as parents when it comes to those kinds of things? Well, I think this approach actually sets an example early on and it allows our child to experience the benefits early on of just focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah. Honestly, taking that approach early on, I believe leads itself to, as our children get older, thinking more in terms of, oh, okay, I, I, maybe can do one or two things at a time because they'll, they'll be, they'll be conditioned for that. Now they will have the outside influence of their peers oh my gosh, and yeah. other, other people who are involved in a lot of different things. And so at that point, at that stage in our child's development, I don't want to be the heavy handed parent who says, no, you can't. Yeah. That's too many things. And and be limiting as far as um, making the decision for them. But I, I will say this is what we can do as a family to support you. And beyond that, if you really want to be involved in that many things, you're going to have to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. And it may be that they just need to have that experience of being involved in a lot of things and experiencing the burnout. That was me. I mean, I, I, not specifically for being involved in a lot of things, but I've always been more of a, I have to learn things by experience and that's not a fun way to learn things yeah. <laughs> all the time. 
sometimes I wish that I was, and, and I've been, I've been working on it, you know, now as an adult, I'm more likely to take the advice of somebody who has experienced it versus having to experience it myself. But as a young person, I was very much like, no, I'm going to experience it for myself. Well, I'll prove you wrong. You know, whatever. Yeah. Sometimes our children have to go through those experiences and fail on their own and not be met with. And I told you so. Yeah. You know, I know you already addressed this, but I, I think about all of the things that our kids come home with. Um, so, I mean, it feels like pretty much every day there's a flyer for an art camp or a flyer for a science camp or a math camp or any of those things. And as parents, um, or at least I guess speaking from my experience, when I see those things, I, I, the first thought I always immediately think is, oh my gosh, I have to get my kids signed up because they're going to fall behind their peers and all of these people who are doing it with them. And then once I start thinking about it, I just, you know, I think of some of the greats that we have in the art world or in the math world or in the science world. And I would be willing to bet they never went to a science camp when they were a kindergartner. You know what I mean? Most of those people were experimenting on their own. Well, and, and I would say regardless of whether or not they did, the possibility exists that there are greats who came out of art camp and there are greats who didn't have any formal training. And right. as long as those two possibilities exist, why would we tie ourselves down to some idea of how we think it has to be done in order for our child to experience success? Yeah. And why would we as parents feel like we need to make ourselves responsible yeah. for our child being successful at something. That's hard though. It really is. It's hard not to feel responsible for your child being successful. Whether or not your child is successful is not your responsibility. Right. The end. That's, um, <laughs> there's, there's a lot more to it than just that simple statement, but yeah. I, I want you to wrestle with that idea. You're not responsible for your child's success. Mm -hmm. So getting into some more practical stuff, if, if you are doing the chauffeur thing and, and you're involved in, in helping your child get to their activities and being there with them while they're in their lesson or something like that, don't just regard that time as lost. The, the way that I like to think about it is, you know, I can either, I can either have an attitude of, well, I, I don't get this time back and I guess I'm just losing an hour every week having to drive Jaden to his lesson. Um, or I can be creative and think, okay, how can I actually make this time meaningful? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously I can't get focused work done. I can't, if I'm driving him to a lesson, I can't get housework done. You know, there like, there's a whole list of things that I can't do at that time. Right. But what can you do? Right. So number one on my list is I can foster my relationship with my children during that time. The other boys come with us. And so that's time that I can spend with them and hang out if I want to. Mm -hmm. And that's meaningful. I could even build some ritual into that, you know, and say, oh, when we take Jaden to his lesson, we have a conversation about this. And that's something that we do every single week. And it becomes this rhythm in our lives. You guys do have a memory from one of those lessons, an ABC song that's hilarious. 
it is really hilarious. We uh, we slowed it down, and so Hosea, our uh, our third our son, five year old, sounds like me. Mm-hmm. Like his voice sounds like a drunk version of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you slow down, plus he, you know, he's five. He, I think he was even four at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. He's he sounded like a mix between me and a cow, <laughs> if you will. Yes. You can also schedule uh, learning time for those times that you're going to be on the road. So let the kids do their thing. And then you've got earbuds in or you've got something playing through the stereo that's a podcast or a TED Talk or something like that. Mm-hmm. You could listen to an audiobook. We uh, We talked before about light work. You know, the, this work that doesn't require a ton of your focus, but is just kind of administrative stuff that you have to get through and you might be able to bring some of that with you and get it done you could spend that time having some reflection and or or just resting and and saying you know what this is going to be my rest time depending on how old your children are it may not feel that way (laughs) yeah although in the car it always seems like it's a little better because they're strapped down I'm I'm serious. They've got you know what they need to make standard. Yeah, I know. Is that glass pane that slides up between the driver's section, you know, that front those two front seats. Mm-hmm. And, and on the, the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, you guys are being crazy. Soundproof glass. There you go, entrepreneurs. Million dollar idea. <laughs> Somebody starts a Kickstarter for that. We're funding. We're funding. <laughs> And don't hold your expectations of what you can accomplish with that time too high because you don't, the purpose is not to be like, okay, I got to make every second productive. Mm -hmm. The purpose is to get you to stop thinking of it as lost time and be, be thinking in terms of, oh, how can I make this time meaningful? And what that does for you, if you, if you can do other stuff there that you might've scheduled somewhere else. It can free up some space in your schedule for you to be able to do, to do other things. And that will in turn make your schedule feel a little bit less packed. Mm-hmm. So even if you're just doing one thing per child, it's likely that you're going to run into some conflict. Either you your work requires you to be there at the time, the, the only time they're offering a specific practice or something like that. There's some conflict. You want to be careful not to bend too much. If if it's something that you can easily, you know, shift your schedule at work and make that possible, that's fine. But if it's something that's going to require some sacrifice on your part and make it really difficult and and stress you out, you're you're, you're better to spend your energy on problem solving with your child and coming up with a different way for them to pursue that interest for that season. So it could be that that for that season, instead of being able to go to this practice, you have a time set aside every week. You, you check out books from the library or you look up videos on YouTube and you have a time set aside every week where they just sit and learn. And that's what they do and that's how they pursue their interest during that season. But what this, what this does, this, this puts our child on the side of 
problem solving. And so now in the future, as they run into a similar situation where there's something they want to do, but the ideal time is not available for them, it helps them to be more creative and more resourceful, to look for ways around their constraints to get to what they really want to do and work their way toward the ideal. Do you have any other thoughts? I don't think so. I wanted to get into a, a really interesting question from Cynthia. Okay. She asked, how do you balance engaging what your child is interested in naturally and activities that help them grow, even if they aren't interested in, uh, even if they aren't interested. And she went on to say that her younger brother has Asperger's and he didn't have any interest in engaging with other people or being social. And for a while, uh, he was enrolled in Boy Scouts and he hated it. Mm -hmm. And she, she went on to say that she didn't really feel like that was effective, but her, you know, her parents wanted him to grow socially. Yeah. And now I know that there's a huge difference between a child who just isn't very socially adept and an Asperger's child because Asperger's really does have some nearly insurmountable hurdles when it comes to engaging with people socially. Mm -hmm. There are behaviors and things that can be learned over time, but there are also different stages in development when that's even possible. Right. So it may have been that at the time when he was enrolled in Boy Scouts, he wasn't developmentally capable of making those connections. And that was, that was frustrating. Mm -hmm. But just kind of bringing it back to the question, how do we, how do we balance what our child is really interested in with activities that we see will help them to grow as a person? So how would you answer that? Well, I mean, I go back to when our oldest took piano lessons and the reason he started taking piano lessons was not because he was, he was really, really interested in it. It was because we wanted him to take them and get a foundation in music because piano is kind of the place where you get a foundation and seeing how, how many times we had conflict over the practice. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that opened my eyes to, you know what, you can't really make your kid do something because if it's affecting your relationship I mean, together, you, you can make them do. Well, something, but... I mean, making them do something that they don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like if you're constantly fighting over it and that relationship is at stake, then it's probably time to maybe brainstorm on something else that could be done. Um, now that, you know, obviously there are going to be some points of conflict with things like homework and things that have to be done. But for something like piano lessons, when he doesn't want to do it, I mean, he, the only time he's going to practice is when we make him practice. And it could be that later on in his life, he chooses to take piano lessons. It's not going to yeah. be too late. You know, he already knows musical scales and chords and those kinds of things. So it's not, um, I don't know. I guess for me, it would it would boil down more to the relationship. I mean, if the kid is really mad at me for making him go to Boy Scouts or something, or if it's a point of conflict every single week and it's really, really taking a toll on our relationship, then of course we're not going to continue doing it. 
you know, we're, we're kind of talking about two separate things here. There's the thing, the, the interest mm-hmm. and the activity that's supporting that interest. And then there's somewhere where we as parents felt we needed to intervene and get help for a specific area of growth for our child. And having our child involved in a program that helps them grow that they're not really interested in doesn't always look like something that they hate. Right. So I'm, I want to talk about that for a minute. I'm really hesitant to want to intervene. I feel like life is a better teacher than that, especially if I'm fostering my relationship with my child. What do you mean by intervene? So for example, if we thought that Jaden needed to take piano lessons so that he could learn his scales and have a musical foundation as an, as an interest, that's one thing. If we wanted him to take piano lessons because we felt like it would help him develop discipline, honestly, I, I think there are other things that he can experience naturally as a part of being involved in a family mm-hmm. and, you know, having to contribute to the family that will help him to naturally develop discipline. So I'm, so what are you using as your, like, what are you intervening in? Are you saying so intervening the, the, as far as making him take yeah, lessons? Yeah. That's, okay. So making him take lessons so that he'll learn discipline is me intervening as a parent. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, that okay. makes more sense. I was confused. But there was also an intervention that was more necessary where he was having difficulty controlling his anger. And so we took him to counseling. Right. And while that was going on, he was also still doing his, I think he was doing music lessons at the time. Um, I can't remember if he had switched to art at that point. No, not yet. But he was, he was involved both in counseling where he was learning to manage his emotions a little better and he was involved in this activity. Right. And I'll go back to the, the principle of, you know, what's, what can your family handle what can you handle and still maintain your own boundaries? So if it's possible for them to be involved in both, that's great. If it's something that you as a parent truly need to, to be in intervention mode and helping your child develop in an area where they're behind, where it could be a detriment to them in the future. And I, again, I want to be really careful and hesitant and slow to make those decisions. But it's okay to say, you know what, for now, we're going to have you focused on this. And we're going to stop these lessons for for this season while you're developing in this area. That doesn't mean that you can't still draw anytime you've got free time or whatever. You know, if your child is truly interested in something, they're going to find a way to do it. Yeah. But I'm just talking about the supported activity. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That was a great question. Thank you, Cynthia. So, Rachel, yeah. where can people go to find us online? In the boat with ben.com. That's right. If you go to in the boat with ben.com, you can find our podcast there. I'm also going to point you to in the boat with ben.com slash TV. We started doing a weekly video show where we talk about many of the same things that we talk about here, just in a more condensed form, mm-hmm. but the video is a little bit more engaging and fun. And so highly encourage you to check that out. If you go to our website, You can also sign up for our email newsletter, and I'm very excited to let you know that I've 
formalized and I'm very close to finishing something that we're going to be giving away for free to our newsletter subscribers. It is the five-step checklist to add a weekly guilt-free work block. All right. So I believe this checklist can work for most people to create an extra work block in their week. But I want to talk about who I have in mind for this. I'm thinking of the person who has a family, a full-time job, and is maybe also trying to build something on the side. You feel frustrated because when you try to take extra time to work on your passion, all of the thoughts come pouring in about the things that you should be doing for your family, time that you should be spending with your family. But then when you're at work or even spending time with your family, you're distracted because you don't feel like you've spent enough time to make meaningful progress toward your goal. And so there's this ongoing conflict you're experiencing. Even though you're making progress, it feels like you're just spinning your wheels. So the purpose of this guide, the five-step checklist to add a weekly guilt-free work block, is to provide an easy-to-follow roadmap that will help you set aside and protect a solid block of time every week. It'll help you work through your feelings of guilt so that you can set that time aside and see yourself making meaningful progress toward your goals without feeling like you're doing so at the expense of your family. So go sign up at intheboatwithben.com and as soon as this is ready, I'll send it to you. All right, good spiel. Yeah. If you want to help out the show, you can go to intheboatwithben.com slash iTunes. Leave us a positive review. You can also go to seanwest.com slash community. Check out the community. That's the way the show is made possible by the the people who pay a membership to be a part of the community. They get a ton of amazing benefits. They get to listen to the show live and interact with us in the chat room, ask questions, contribute to the, the value of the show. And there are many other benefits. You should definitely check that out. If you want to find Rachel, she is at racheltolson.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. Mm-hmm. what I was just going to say alright well thank you guys very much for listening today thank you hey have a merry Christmas or a happy Christmas How are you going to handle five kids on your own when I take Jaden to see Star Wars? Oh, please. I'm a pro. You are a pro. But I think the people listening might, might want to know. They might be thinking to themselves, how is that even possible? Well. Do you, um, do you bribe them with candy? No. I, I think I'm probably going to put them to bed in sort of a wave. So, like, the younger ones will go to bed first. Um, like I'll do all their story time. Cause the, the two older ones, 
can be trusted on their own. Mm, yeah. But like if I'm distracted with the two older ones and the three younger ones are left on their own, like that's just not going to work. So you're going to break it up and do it in intervals. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. a nice tip. Yeah. I'll, I'll do the younger ones first and then probably do like story time. And because when, when you're trying to do story time with five kids and there's only one of you, it's really hard to keep them quiet. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm, I'm, gonna break it up well i think that's good planning yeah i mean i have to do it every once in a while when you have your book club book club well i'm usually here until after story time that's right i don't have to do the after dinner stuff yeah i mean we're we're leaving we're gonna eat dinner and then like we're not even gonna put our plates away we're gonna be like okay we gotta go what you're gonna put your plates away yes (laughs) ma'am You will not leave for the movie until you put your plates away. Okay, fine. 